0: You're listening to Red Nation Online.
1: This is Eastside Stand-Up Canucks Abroad Edition. Discussions and opinions on Canadians playing overseas and interviews with national team members. Find us on Twitter at Canucks Abroad, tweet us suggestions or questions, and you can now find Canucks Abroad articles and analysis of Canadian soccer players overseas on Red Nation Online.
0: Welcome everyone to Eastside Stand-Up Canucks Abroad Edition. My name is John Eden. We're going to do a monthly Canucks Abroad episode on this feed, and uh, Ian Clark, why don't you explain to everyone what this is all about?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh you know, you know I've obviously been in discussion for the last little while and both of us have been tracking Canadian players who are playing uh, outside of Canada, outside of North America and have had a lot of synergy in terms of like what our motivations are uh, in terms of the Canadian men's national team and seeing how these players are developing. And I think both of us had in the back of our minds that, you know, there should be some kind of podcast out there at the very least just having a discussion strictly about the Canadian men's national team and the player pool. So that's the idea that we have with this episode. That's what we're going to do here. And it's on the Eastside stand-up feed. You know, really for one reason is also because Eastside stand-up has done Canadian men's national team podcasts uh, coming back from the games, but also because I do want to leverage, you know, we have a great Toronto FC audience that comes in to listen to this. You know, the podcast is only once a month. I think it might be useful for, there'd be a little bit of crossover there that some of the audience that listens to Eastside stand-up Toronto FC once in a while gets a little taste of Eastside stand-up Canucks abroad and gets a sense of how our player is doing overseas. And
0: I think it'll work well during the break in the winter when the MLS is uh, not playing because that's really when lots going on in Europe and uh, vice versa.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's it, there's really like very few times during the year that uh, you know it's obviously quiet. But uh, when the MLS shuts down, there's that three month window. But that's right; we're in the thick of it for a lot of these guys, uh, you know, in Europe especially. So there's still tons to talk about, and I think that's just it. It's I just want to keep this content flowing, and I think it's important to keep a lot of these, uh, you know, men's national team players, uh, their their careers in the forefront and in people's, you know, consciousness.
0: Absolutely, and uh, podcast is a very convenient way to inform yourself about up-to-date developments, as you guys know, since you're podcast listeners. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to do this with you, Ian. And uh, why don't we uh, get started?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, the idea of this first episode that we're doing is we're bundling it with the start of the European season. Now, we already know it's a couple weeks in, but we're trying to time it, especially with that closure of the transfer window, as well as that first international break, because we have games coming up for Canada. And we're bundling with an article that is looking at some of the players are really interested in following for the 2014-2015 season. It's also coincidentally timed with, you know, almost the World Cup is over. It's the start of a new cycle. It's almost like a clean slate. So it's the, really a starting point for a lot of these guys that could be, you know, four years of improvement. And if I could kick it off, John, there's some guys that I'm looking at this year that I want to discuss. Oddly enough, you know, I am a wasp and they're all from the UK. Who knew? Who knew? I don't know if that's a coincidence, but it just happens to be that way. I want to bring up that I think are worth uh, following that are part of our men's national team pool. The first one is someone I think that a lot of people are well familiar with, but he's never quite delivered on the national team side of things, and that's Simeon Jackson. and He's had a roller coaster a couple years of late, really came to our consciousness when he was at uh, Gillingham, had a great 2008-2009 season, got his team promoted, went to Norwich City in the championship, got them up to the Premier League. But once he was in the Premier League, it's just like his form kind of died off. Went to Eintracht Braunschweig, hardly got much of a chance there. Went to Millwall, got just stuck in that, you know, relegation battle. Just, you know, back-to-back bad situations for him. But now he's back at Coventry City in League One. And I think that's, I think he's a championship-level player, but... You know, after two years, almost three years of not getting a lot of playing time and his form really struggling, I think League One's a good fit for him. Coventry City's a good fit for him. Um, Sorry, one of their main strikers was transferred in the offseason, so there's a real opportunity for him there to make a mark, get his form back, and hopefully uh, carry that over to the men's national team.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to say that the Bundesliga definitely was a little too soon or maybe just too much of of a... Raise uh, from the championship level, right? I mean, Eintracht Braunschweig had just been promoted. That was, they were uh, they hadn't been in the Bundesliga for 28 years, so it was always going to be a tough season for them. They had a very good striker on the team already by the name of uh, Kumbela. So he was forced out on the wing. The games that he did have, he wasn't really able to deliver. May have been, you know, it's always easy to say this in retrospect but it just it was not really a match made in heaven and that's why during the winter break he went right back to England so hopefully he can uh, like you said uh, start things like with a clean slate and uh, ho- hopefully work himself back up and and reach the, that championship level again
1: so the last guy that I want to mention is uh, you know maybe a little bit of a surprise but I think I have my reasons for it and this is kind of one of the players I think I'm most looking forward to this season, I think is a critical for the Canadian men's national team. And that's David Edgar. Uh, you know, he had kind of, I don't want to say he came onto the scene. I mean, we all knew him from playing in Newcastle United. There was some good highlights of him scoring goals in the premier league um, or really just one or two, but there was a very notable one. And then of course at Burnley, he didn't get a lot of time, but the season that stood out for me as well as a period of men's national qualifying was that 2011, 12 season where he was playing almost 50 games and he came into Canada and he just, seamlessly looked like he was ready to go. You know what I mean? There was no rust. He looked polished. He looked in form. And it translated onto the pitch. And he's kind of had that slip away in the last couple years where he hasn't been getting as many games as he did that year. And I think that's what's been missing from him and that's what's missing from the men's national team is having a center back and a defender who's playing week in and week out at a good level. And I think at Birmingham, Birmingham City, that's a good club. And at the championship, that's a good enough level. And if he gets in there every week, and we've already seen him play a couple games and score a goal, uh, I think that bodes well for Canada, and I'm looking forward to seeing how this season plays out for him.
0: Right, and you were mentioning how you're kind of more focused on the uh, United Kingdom, and this weekend is uh, when the Bundesliga kicked off again. And for me, the, the Canadian i probably uh, more most excited about this year to see if he can get some playing time again is uh, Marcel De Jong, the only remaining Canadian in the Bundesliga, which in the past has been a great uh, feeding ground for Canadians, such as, uh, well, recently uh, Rob Friend and Kevin McKenna, and you guys all know who I'm talking about. Now, Marcel De Jong had a pretty tough season last year, where he broke his toe in the summer, actually against AS Monaco in a friendly. That kind of ruined his preseason a bit. And then he had the bad fortune, which actually turned out to be a sh- huge fortune for FC Augsburg themselves, that he had Matthias Oströlek uh, in front of him, another left back. So he just could not get by this guy. He, this guy is a huge talent. But the good news is that he was transferred to Hamburger SV. So hopefully... Now Marcel de Jong uh, will get this position back, and he did actually play in the first official game of the season for Augsburg in the, in the Cup game, which unfortunately they lost 1-0 to a fourth division side. Nevertheless, this could be the year where Marcel de Jong either fights himself back into the team and remains a strong uh, Bundesliga player, or things may not turn out. So it's it's quite exciting to see if, if Marcel de Jong will be that uh, strong player that we're hoping that That he will be for Augsburg, as you know, he already is for the national team, so hopefully he'll be able to do this for the tiny Bavarian club as well. Yeah, in terms of another player that I'm super excited about, it's uh, Samuel Piet. He doesn't have a club yet, which is totally not comprehensible given the season he's had. Because when he joined Fortuna Dusseldorf, he started off in the U19 side, then quickly started playing with the reserves and impressed so much there as well that he actually ended up getting some uh, playing time in the second Bundesliga side where uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf play. His contract wasn't extended, which was a huge surprise to everybody. There's several reasons for this. I, I haven't asked Samuel Piet himself, but my my hunch is that it was a combination of things, probably a new coach and manager with new plans and, and also because Piet probably wanted a professional contract because he was that good that he could demand this and it probably just didn't fit into the into the plans. So he's currently trialing at several clubs. I know he trialed for Borussia Dortmund reserve side and he almost joined. But unfortunately, there was a guy who in the last minute decided to stay so that roster spot wasn't freed up. And then he went to Spain and actually... I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter, but he denied that he has signed with Racing Club de Ferrol of the Segunda División B. But uh, it's possible that he'll end up there, but it still remains to be seen. Hopefully he'll find a good club and continue his uh, development in Europe because we still have a lot to be excited about uh, from this player. I'm sure he's going to just develop even more. I mean... Ian, you've you've followed him from a Canadian national team perspective quite a bit, right? I mean he's he's played like basically for the U n U uh, twenties, U twenty threes and the senior side in like a span of a year or two. Like it's crazy.
1: Yeah, and I know that you know, right from the right from the get go when he walked into the you know, the senior men's national team camps, the the staff at the at the the men's national team just they just saw him and said, That's a footballer. And I've spoken to people within the CSA. They know, obviously from conversations with him, that he's very serious about his career. He knows he where he wants to be and he knows what he has to do to get it. I think the whole thing with Fortuna was a was a curveball to him and he's just trying to get it sorted out. But I mean he's still so young. He could be twenty two. You know, these next two years could go by. He could play at whatever division and still be so young and still moving up. So I'm not concerned too much about how this offseason has gone for him. It's just as long as he lands somewhere and starts playing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And actually, the Fortuna fans were so upset. Like, I was frequenting the on the online forums, right? And they could not understand why, why he didn't get another contract because they were also excited for this player and to for him to break through. And yeah, those are like my, my picks that I'm most excited about. I know they're very German centric uh, nationally. That comes with the territory since I <laughs> grew up there, and that's that's kind of the league that I follow most and that I that I know best. But uh, I mean, Ian and I, uh, we we are planning on having other people on the pod as well uh, to give uh, more detailed background from from Canadians from from other places, and we do pay attention to to those in Asia and in other parts of Europe. Yeah, we're tracking
1: everyone. I mean, this is by by no means is this like an exclusive list. It's just guys that kind of popped in our head. There's play. There's tons. Like pretty much all of them I mean, we track with real interest. But these are guys that I that I think I think we both think that can make a real impact on the team in the short term, and and hopefully help us in this next Gold Cup coming up and be cornerstones for the team over the next four years. And then of course, John, if we move into the last part of this podcast. There's, I guess you could say there's a player that you're also very interested in, Germany, and that's Randy Winnie bonsu
0: If you guys uh, didn't see it, um, I did write an article on Randy Winnie bonsu shortly before his match against Borussia Dortmund, and he actually ended up scoring in that game, which made me incredibly happy.
1: And if people it's want like- to know, John's currently penning another article that Winnie bonsu can be the leading scorer in the three-liga, so <laughs> that would might come true too, and, and Randy can uh, you know, give you lots of props for that.
0: For sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I basically predict the future. So, you know, if there's any Canadian national team players out there who <laughs> want to know where what's going to happen in their careers, just give me a call and I'll let you know. So Randy edwini Bonzo was so kind to join us just before his next match. And uh, we're so happy to have him on the pod and talk to him about his last couple years. And I hope you guys enjoyed the interview that we did.
1: Randy, for, for the those out there who maybe don't follow the men's national team closely, I think uh, a logical place to start is when you first arrived in Europe. Uh, can you let us know how you ended up uh, at AC Ulu in Finland, and can you give us any indication on maybe what, if, what, if any, connection there is between the club and the Canadians that seem to keep bringing
2: in? I was in Vancouver. I didn't really play much, and um, I wasn't really happy. I still had a year left on my contract, and I Came to an agreement with the club to let me go and um we came to an, uh, a buyout fee which was fair for both the club and i and then um i i had some offers in germany i'll try out and like a few straight deals but it was not something i was interested in at that moment i just wanted to play and get confident in my confident level and get back to the level that, that i felt i could be and i should be so that's why i left for finland and i I was supposed to really be there for only two months, play eight games, and then leave. But after eight games, I didn't feel ready, and I wanted to play more. And then I extended to the end of the season, and then I had to prove myself. And that's when I, everything blew up. I was scoring goals. I was having fun. I got my confidence, everything that I was looking for. So I guess that right there um, gave the Canadians a good name with the club. I think I was you not know, a few Canadians that ever been there. And then um, the manager, they liked to bring me in. It brought me in with full confidence. So I guess it worked out and helped uh, open the door for other Canadians like Dave Melsavi, who's there right now. And Dominic Capone, I think he's playing there right now. So um it's, it's a good thing.
0: Now, after your really successful season there at AC Ulu, you went to Eintracht Braunschweig, right? In uh, Germany's second division. First, you got a trial and uh, then you got a contract. So how did you find the difference in competition in the competition level between Finland and Germany? Was it a difficult adjustment?
2: It was a little bit difficult, but I was so fit and confident that I could have went to any first Bundesliga team and with the same confidence. Because I was just coming off a season with um, 17 games and I think 15 goals or so. This is not something that anyone can take away from me. I was so confident. I was going to attack Brunswick knowing that I was going to make the team. And no matter what they threw at me. So this tryout was hard, but like I said, I was confident and fit. So it wasn't so, so crazy for me. But the level, the tempo was way way um, more higher than Finland was and um, the competitive level in Germany is something else. That's why, one of the most reasons why I'm still in Germany I decided to stay in Germany because I don't think any other country has a competitive level that they have.
0: And also, there were a handful of other Canadians that have played for eintracht Braunschweig, right? Like Simeon Jackson and Horgo Nika who's like a lesser-known player who's like a Romain- Romanian-Canadian. Do you know if that's a coincidence or is there some kind of Canada connection there?
2: It would say that my my canadian agent that i was working with kind of brought yoga and after i I went there too so i guess i opened the door for him as well and um like um, simeon jackson i remember we're gold cup preparing for the gold cup and he asked me a few questions about russia and i told him some good stuff about it and i guess he was interested and he had an offer there and he went there and didn't work out but like i said um, simeon i don't know how that worked out but Yorgo, i think me going to open up doors for him as well to come through to the youth level because, as I I was he also looked always looked at me as a mentor. He was also always came by my apartment and um, hung out. It was also always good to have another Canadian there as well. And I had also Andrew Barcelona, who was also um, a good friend of mine. I played with the U seventeen national team, and all of a sudden he was on the second team of branch So it's nice to have some Canadians in the city and in the club. Yeah, Randy.
1: After. Uh playing with Braunschweig, uh, I was wondering if you could maybe just walk us through that summer of 2013, uh, between leaving the club, preparing for the Gold Cup, and then the subsequent injury. I just wanted to kind of get a sense, you know, what was likely a very tough time for you at a, at a young point in your career? You know, how did you get through that to stay positive?
2: I mean, all that stuff, I guess, is part of football, really. I, My first year in Braunschweig, my first half season, I did really well. The fans loved me. The they loved the excitement I brought to the game, so I went in the second year with a lot of confidence, um, ready to take off. And I had to play a different position I've never played in my life. And in this position, the competitive level at this position was way more than I ever expected. Where I was going against the best player in a club playing this position, and I knew my chances were slim. But I worked hard in the preseason. I thought in preseason I was that I was I played a b- better position than he did. But uh, I mean, the coach is the coach's choice, and I, I worked hard every training, but. There's so much you can do when a team is winning every weekend. if I'm a coach, I wouldn't change a team either. I affected a lot in my second year because the striker after I was playing left midfield, and he was like, all right, "Maybe I'll try Randy up top again." I was compared against Kumbela, who scored 19 goals. He's scoring every game, so it was difficult to get playing time when the striker is doing all well. Now affected me a lot, but I kept my, I kept working hard and didn't work at the club, and I moved on. And then I had a few teams interested in me in the summer, and normally I don't think any player would. Go prefer the gold cup without a contract, but I mean Canada has always been there for me. And I thought go there while my agents um talking to those teams and while my gold cup move come to an agreement, work club I go to, and then I went to the gold cup, and unfortunately I got injured, and it was an eye opener. It was very tough because after I got injured, I didn't have a club. All the teams are interested. Like, well, he's injured, so we're gonna go with someone else. And that was not easy for me at all.
0: And uh, at some point, you had a surgery in the fall, right, for your knee. Yeah.
2: I had a surgery in um, August.
0: And, and and what did you take away from that experience at, at Braunschweig? Like you you said you wanted to always play in, in Germany. Even after that experience, you figured you want to go back there?
2: Yeah, honestly, all this stuff made me tougher, really, because I haven't been through this in my career and I'm glad I went through this. It made me tougher in Braunschweig, made me hungrier. And after my surgery, too, i actually happy I went through this injury because it's changed my whole view on how I look at the game now, how I take care of my body. And all this stuff, and it's actually made me mentally stronger because when I doing this tough time in the surgery, whole thing recovering, and not having a team, all the teams just um, escaping on me was kind of scary. But um, I kept working hard. Um, I hated football. I wouldn't even watch football on TV, and all this stuff. I went through a dark moment in my career that I'm actually glad I did because, like I said, um, I took a step back from everything, it was social media, everything. Just focused on getting uh, healthy again and finding a team and um, I'm thinking Stuttgart, when I was injured, they still showed interest in me. I, w- I didn't want to go there because I wanted to stay in second league, but it came to a point where um, Stuttgart was showing so much interest in me that I would play, and um, it was a good move for me.
0: Yeah, I kind of followed uh, you in the media there, and it seemed like the, that Stuttgart really wanted to sign you when you first started trialing there. It was just a matter of like finding the money, and then in the end, they, they gave you the contract. So,
2: I mean... They really wanted me, I was in rehab, and they called me to come maybe train a day or two to see if I can run with no um limp, and I, I told them I wasn't ready for it, I'm still in rehab, I still have pain in my knee. They're like, yeah, just come out here and see, I came and saw the team doctor. I mean, I trained fine, but I still had pain in my knee. I came back to rehab, and a month later, they called me to come back again to see what level I was at. So the amount of um, respect they showed me and the interest they showed me was kind of nice at that moment because... Um, every team that I wanted to go to were already replaced it was kind of tough and the coach showed a lot of confidence and interest in me that I was a player. He was in the media talking of how, how I was a wish player for him if I came to a team and make the team complete. So I've all these things, made me kind of happy and I thought it was the best move for me at that moment.
0: It sounds like things were uh, really worked out for you because Stuttgart kickers played a phenomenal second half of the season and you scored a couple of goals. So that was awesome.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was I came here to maybe play striker, my favorite position, but the coach had other, uh, had other um, plans in mind. In the beginning, I wasn't starting. He wanted me to slowly build in because I just came up an injury, getting little minutes, minutes, and in the end, I was starting. I had to fight hard for that position, but at that moment, I was so mentally strong that I, I was ready for any position. So I fought for it, and I got the starting position on right wing, and I, I liked it a lot. I still prefer to play striker, but I'm, at this moment, anywhere I play, Randy,
1: uh, I'm just wondering because you said that, you know, ideally you probably would have wanted to get back into the second division. But I'm wondering if at any point in the back of your head when you chose to play for kickers that, you know, you looked at someone like Olivier Ocean who was able to move very quickly from that third division up to the second and then to the Bundesliga. Is that anything that was in the back of your mind when you decided to play with them?
2: Well, I always knew. I didn't really plan. I only signed a a half-year deal with kickers because... I knew I was going to play half a year and then move back to second league. And honestly, um, after that half year, I had two offers in the second league, two teams in the second league that wanted me to come out there. But for me, I still wasn't ready that way I want to be. For me, as the players, it's, maybe it's good to feel ready to, before you do things instead of just rushing into them. So that's why I reached signed with kickers one way. I had two second bonus to get teams that were willing to sign me in the summer and I turned it down and signed with kickers for one way. And so,
0: because, of uh, that, uh, because of that, you had the chance to play against Borussia Dortmund in the uh, DFB Cup match, right? The German, the opening first-round domestic cup match for those Canadians that don't know what the
2: DFB-pokal is. And you scored a goal! So yeah, describe I mean, to us, uh, <laughs> how was that? I mean, the goal was it's a little offside, but it doesn't matter. The ref didn't call <laughs> it, so I'm happy it counted. But uh, it's not just that the goal. I, I was happy with my performance, and most important, the team was unbelievable. I mean, we went in a game, not we respect the club, of course, but we did, took it as a normal game, and we actually, for me, I thought in most parts we played better than they did because people, the people in North America think third division Germany is low, but that's what people don't realize. They don't know how, how the level of soccer is in the third league, and it's kind of sad, but the level of third league is really that good. Some teams, you don't even see the difference between second league, so even um, Jurgen Klopp after the game said he was very surprised at football we played and he had a lot of respect for us because no one expected us to come out there and dominate them like we did so the guys had their own and uh, i was happy that i mean sad we lost but the positive we took out of that game was huge
0: and can you describe a little bit to our listeners what Stuttgart the kickers are like like what brand of football they play i mean Obviously, that high intensity counter attacking and like just describe to our listeners what what is that club like? What do they stand for?
2: I mean, Stuttgart is a very traditional club. Um, it's one of the one of the one of the traditional clubs in Germany. It's very famous for its tradition. And um, this season we have a coach who just wants to play football, short passes, high tempo, high, like you said, counter attacks, and um, a lot of more going forward. We get a chance to play forward when with speed and aggression is. We lose the ball you've win it winning it away. So it's tough that we play but it works out for us
0: and do you think there's a chance uh, that the Stuttgart kickers uh will be in the promotion race this year and maybe you'll get to the second division that way
2: honestly looking at our team i think by far we're the best team in the league but this is football anything can happen you can play good this weekend and tomorrow you will lose but in third division germany is so competitive you don't you never know who's gonna win on the weekend so we just have to worry about our game and believe in ourselves. And if we do, I think we um, we should. But I don't want to get carried away here, but we want to try and win as many games as we can because they're a really competitive league.
1: Randy, Canadians know you specifically as a player with like just loads of pace. Uh, but aside from that, what part of your skill set have you improved upon the most since you've been in Germany or that you feel is an underrated part of your game?
2: Fighting, really, to be honest. A lot of people... I I was never really that player who just liked to kick people for fun, really. like grin is something that I always missed in my game. But now, this has been in Germany, this injury, you know, it's just changed my whole attitude, how I think or go about things. I'm more aggressive now. Um, I'm more fearless than before. Before, people know me as a player. If I have four defenders, I will try and take them on. I don't care if I lose the ball or not. But now, that, that thing is still there, but I'm more smarter with it. And I guess I've matured as a player a and lot in the last year.
1: Yeah, and, and sort of staying on the, the Canadian side of things, uh, Randy. Uh, you know, have you have you been watching the national team as well as you know how they've been so far under Benito Floro? And have you had any conversations with the CSA or Floro regarding you know the upcoming your upcoming season or the upcoming camps for Canada?
2: Yeah, I mean, I when I was injured, I he was interested in um, bringing me to a few camps, but I wasn't. I didn't have a club. I was in rehab and all that stuff. But we talked. I talked to him, and in the summer. Um the summer the camp we had against um Bulgaria, he called me to come. I wasn't really keen on it because it was my vacation time. I haven't had a vacation or like any off time in like a year. Because my surgery and everything. So I was looking forward to having a, a good relaxed summer he's like coming camp because he's just looking forward to working with me. So I went there and it was different. I really like the way we go about things. This game will take us a while to get used to it, but I think once everyone is bought into it or oh, it can change Canadian soccer. It will take some time but I think we change canadian soccer, and he bl- he stays in contact every weekend. He watches every game that I play. He sends me little videos and things I can improve on. And he's really supportive of every player. And I know he follows every player every weekend quite well. And that's something we've missed in the past with coaching. The, uh, in the past, some co- the coach wouldn't even know if a player's playing a weekend if he scored or not. Like Benito knows every time I score, he sent me a video, good goal. This keep going with this, and he's really nice and supportive.
1: Yeah, and do you get a sense, or I get a sense, Randy, that uh, to a, to an extent our, our men's national team is underachieved. And I'm wondering from what you just said there and maybe from conversations you've had with other guys on the team, is there maybe a little more sense of belief with that team and maybe seeing that Benito Floro offers something that can take this team further in qualifying?
2: Yeah, honestly, in the past too, I always thought the coaches in the past didn't do a bad job. They were good. I mean, it's just honestly we have canada We had good players i always thought we had very good players but just our mentality is different than any other team sometimes we wear go down we put our heads down other countries that go down makes them stronger you know these these little things that we need to change that a coach cannot change for us it's us we need to change that and i think with this group um is a lot better that i've seen a lot more players are playing in europe and they're more competitive now and um the coach the coach gives you that edge and that confidence too so um, I think that's changing around as well. And now, take I think like um, in a few years when the Canada we have a system that we want to play, or we do have now. But like once everyone is um, bought into the system, and um, I think we'll be a force in North America. And on a
1: little bit of a personal note, Randy, uh, you've taken kind of a different approach than many footballers with regards to social media, and specifically recently you've limited your presence on it have you noticed a difference in yourself or as a player being away from it and do you think it might be something that you know some other players could maybe consider
2: yes honestly i'm I'm, a, I'm an emotional person if i read on the internet someone writing bad about me it's not just about me when someone write about me they don't write about randy they write about vinnie bontu this is a family name this is something that I cherish my family gave me this name if someone writes something bad about me at vinnie bontu it makes me sad because is my whole family is talking about. So stuff like this really affects me. So I don't like to go on the internet as much anymore because of all this stuff. Because I remember when I was injured, I read the stuff, people people like and they fell through the crack. But they don't know the exact reason why I haven't been on the stage, international stage. But if they knew the truth, my dedication to play for Canada got me injured. And I never went on the internet and said anything about that. I didn't say anything about it. But they just jumped to conclusion and write all these negative things about it. So I just decided to delete my social media and just... Not even read that stuff that that affected me, so I, I honestly it's helped me a lot because now I don't really care anymore what someone says about me. I just go on my business because at the end of the day the person writing bad about me he's not he doesn't feed me or do anything for me, so um I just close an eye on that stuff and pff, just focus on my game and it honestly it helps a lot because social media in North America is almost too much This Twitter you go to like clubs, they literally let you have Twitter to communicate with fans. This is, not, this is a little too much, I feel like.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, thank. we really appreciate it that you, that you are giving your, your point of view of, of events now. And hopefully some people will, will be able to listen to it and, and see what, what actually happened. You, you already stated that you want to play in Europe, but is there any chance that maybe some point later in your career that you will go back to Canada or the, the MLS? Or is there anything that could happen? Like if there was something major to happen in North American soccer, would there be anything that would entice you to come back?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, I watch MLS every weekend. When I have, normally after my game on Sunday, I'd go on MLS, watch all the highlights. I still follow the MLS. My favorite team is still Vancouver Whitecaps. It's my first real professional club. And um, if anything, I'd 100% go back and play for Vancouver. Great club, great city. And for me, Vancouver is my, literally my second home in in Canada, I feel more at home in Vancouver than I feel in Edmonton because I, I matured in Vancouver, had my freedom in Vancouver, and uh, Vancouver Whitecaps is always my number one. So if I had a chance to play North America, I'd be my... So Were you in touch with Caleb Clark at
0: all, who also went to Germany to uh, the FC Augsburg uh, reserve side and also uh, played at the Whitecaps, or still does?
2: Um, I talked to Caleb a little bit, but not so much, but when he was there... So when I was going through my dark moment, I didn't talk to anyone, so oh, okay, um, right. it was tough. But I, I was looking forward to seeing him in the summer in camp before he got injured, but it's sad. But I talked to Daniel Stanezi a little bit. I still keep in touch with him. Um, we played against him preseason, actually, a few weeks ago before the season started, and um, it was good to see him as well. And I keep in touch with some of the young players like Ben Fisk in Europe, for summer, um Piet, and all these people. It's good. Just keep in touch because you don't see him so often, and um, there's also supportive people during my injury who helped me out, send me little nice messages. It was also nice, so as my my, so I have to repay them by you know talking to them and also supporting them as well. All right, Randy,
0: we'll we'll uh, won't uh, take any more of your time. We really appreciate it. Thanks again. All right, thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview, and we're going to try and do this about once a month. Sometimes more, sometimes less, but that's pretty much the schedule that we're hoping for. Do check out our column on Red Nation online called Canucks Abroad, where we'll be bringing regular uh, player updates to you. Spread the word, and you know, if there's any player you want interviewed, let us know. We we do have some ideas of who we'd be interested in, but if there's someone you want to hear about, please let us
1: know, and uh, We're looking forward to this project. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll catch you next time. Bye now.